shining. Vishikulyam. Like a series of Vedic hymns. Like a series of Vedic hymns. Sadaswatim. Speech. Speech. Na. Na. Aspadya. Aspadya. Hearing. Hearing. Manyu. Anger. Anger. Dashtanam. Bitten. Tesham. Of those sages. Of those Atma, Atma, the mind. Ati, even though. Atrithyata, satiated. Translation Brahma continues. Even though the sages had been bitten by the serpent of anger, their souls were not satiated with hearing the Lord's lovely and illuminating speech, which was like a series of Vedic hymns. Please repeat. Brahma continued. Brahma continued. Even though the sages had been bitten. Even though the sages had been bitten. By the serpent of anger. By the serpent of anger. Their souls were not satiated. Their souls were not satiated. With hearing the Lord's lovely and illuminating speech. With hearing the Lord's lovely and illuminating speech. Which was like a series of Vedic hymns. Which was like a series of Vedic hymns. <coughs> Before we go on to 14, um, I'd just like to say a few words. I always like to set the scene. So we've been, um, you know, hearing the whole thing started with that one in chapter 13 when the demigods approached the Lord and they said, Why is the universe getting so dark? Who remembers why the universe is getting so dark? Yeah, DT had some very satanic people inside of the room, and they weren't even out yet. <laughs> you can imagine what an influence these personalities had. They weren't even out yet, uh, and the universe was already getting very foreboding and dark and, and scary. So uh, this whole story of the cursing of Jai and Vijay is, is by way of background. Uh, to what is to come. <coughs> and we've been reading about cursing. Uh, first of all, the, the gatekeepers you know, said, you can't come in here. And then, they, and then the, uh, the Kumaras are cursing them. So first, the gatekeepers are mad that these upstarts are trying to barge into Vaikuntha. And then, and then these upstarts turned out to be great sages who looked like little boys. But they're actually great, um, as we say, old souls. You know, they're Brahmabhuta, they're self-realized souls. And they wanted, they heard about the Lord of Aikanta. They had the ability to travel anywhere in the spiritual and material worlds. And they heard about the Lord of And they're Brahmabhakas at this point. And they haven't seen the Lord yet, heard him speak. So there's uh, the refusal to let them in, and then there's the cursing. And, and both people think they're right, right? Who are these kids? Who are these kids trying to barge in here? These brats, you know. <laughs> and then, and then these brats turned out to be great sages. So, just the opposite of um, actually what goes on in the spiritual world, right? We immediately is, and and the Lord's introducing the Vaikuntha mood when he comes. When he comes, he says, uh, "Oh." 
and uh, he's it's I'm so sorry that they, they wouldn't let you in this is like they're, they're, they're my servants so they reflect on me so uh, uh, I'm so sorry it's, when, when the servants do something it reflects on the master so please forgive me it's very it's very good if you curse them it's very good this is very deserving and uh, but one thing I asked you you know they are my dear servants and just let them back into the country as soon as possible, as soon as you can, right? So this gives the Kumaras pause, right? And first it was the gatekeepers that were like, whoa, what have we done? But then when the Lord says this to the Kumaras, that gives them pause. Imagine, for example, if you're the master of the house and then you have some assistants in the house and then some people who look kind of rowdy come to the house and then your assistants dismiss them, but they're actually, you know, great souls, uh, you know, so, uh, so then you come out and you see what's going on and you uh, say to the, to your, uh, to, to the people, well, first of all, you say, it, it's very good. It's actually very good that you, uh, that you cursed my, uh, assistants here because they didn't know they didn't know and 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 so you it's so to mitigate their offense you know it's it's good that you've given them a reaction but let me there's one thing i have to ask of you just please let them come back to my house as soon as you can <laughs> so say so if i was the cursor you know say i, I curse those servants uh then that would give me pause if the master of the house came out and said Okay, it's all right. It's all right what you did, but let them come back. So he might go. So this is what's going on here. The Lord. This is going to set the stage for fourteen. Now let's see what the Lord is going to. Uh, this, well, this is Brahma describing God's speech. Fourteen. Okay. Setting via the Shrimanto Labhin Gurvartha. Gandharam Vidhahya Gadhagambhiram Navidus Tach Chikirshitam. This is Brahma still speaking here. So the Lord's excellent speech was difficult to comprehend because he had just given Kumara's pause. Don't just let them back soon. It was difficult to comprehend because of its momentous import and its most profound significance. Because the Lord has been saying, the devotees and the brahmanas, they're so dear to me that I would cut off my own arm, you know, just to, uh, just to help them or mitigate some offense done to me. So this, this is uh, making the Kumaras wonder what's going on here. Maybe we were the ones that the offenders. And also the gatekeepers had similarly gotten a message from Krishna like that too. So both sides are learning lessons here. So again, the Lord's excellent speech was difficult to comprehend because of its momentous import and its most profound significance. The sages heard it with wide open ears. Interesting, wide open ears. We can close our eyes, we can pitch our nose, we can close our mouth, but we don't, unless we go like this, you know, the ears... The ears is what wakes us up, you know, if there's some danger, right? 
It's the sound. That's that's the biggest alarm we have. It's, it's the ears. Now the sages, they're really trying to catch what the Lord's saying. What's going on here? The sages heard it with wide open ears, his speech, and pondered it as well. But although hearing, they could not understand what he intended to do. And Prabhupada's purport, it's brief, and it more or less restates and expands a little bit on what Lord Brahma said in the verse. It's very telling. Purport. It should be understood that no one can surpass the Supreme Personality of Godhead in speaking, in any way, but in this case, in speaking. There is no difference between the Supreme Person and his speeches, for he stands on the absolute platform. The sages tried with wide open ears to understand the words from the lips of the Supreme Lord, but although his speech was very concise and meaningful, the sages could not completely comprehend what he was saying. They listened. I mean, these are sages, and they're listening very carefully to what Krishna is saying, but it's like, what? what is he saying? Not only what is he saying, but what does he mean by what he's saying? <laughs> and then Prabhupada says this, they could not even comprehend the purport of the speech or what the Supreme Lord wanted to do. They didn't understand what the speech was, where it was going. You know, we, like we say, you know, where is this going? Right? So they, what, what does the Lord mean? What is he saying? What does he mean? And where is this all headed? They couldn't figure it out. And they're saying Nor could they understand whether the Lord was angry or pleased with them. Because he was saying, you're so dear to me with the Brahmins. Right, but let these people back as soon as possible. So it's like, oh, oh. okay. So, uh, so Prabhupada said his speech was very concise. So who knows from the Sri Chaitanya Chaitamrita what Kaviraja Goswami says about true eloquence? Do you know the quote? Kaviraja Goswami is summing up some pastimes of the Lord, and. Uh, Oh, no, no, that's something else. Let's see, let me go to the, where is it? Oh, I didn't bring it. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, Kaviraja Goswami says, essential truth spoken concisely is true eloquence. It's like what sutra means. Vedanta sutra, Lama sutra. A sutra, even is passed in English. A sutra is something that passes into the language, and it's so full of meaning, and it's so uh, mystifying. You really need somebody to unpack what it means. They, they use the word sutra like mantra now. It is a sutra. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So essential truth spoken concisely is true eloquence. Yeah. Shakespeare said this too. He said, brevity is the soul of wit. And then my English teacher made a comment. But too much brevity is the soul of the half-wit. <laughs> so it's just a kind of a counterpoint joke. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. So so the Kumaras, they're touring by Kunta. They wanted to see Lord Narayan. They heard of all about Lord Narayan. The first thing that stunned them was what? The Lord's before the speech. They saw him. So what did they see? His beauty was incomparable. That's one of the uh, qualities of the Lord. His beauty is matchless. 
So they were just stunned by the beauty. And that beauty alone, even before the speeches, turned them into personless. And smelling the Tulsi leaves uh, adorning his lotus feet, that they were like, wow. <laughs> they were more attracted to the Lord's form than they were now to their uh, Buddha, Brahmabhuta, the impersonal status, just completely equipoised, indifferent to the material world and just relishing uh, Brahma, you know, the oneness of it all. <coughs> so first they were, they were stunned and awestruck by his beauty. And then when the Lord started speaking, as I just said, they found the whole thing mystifying. What's going on? <laughs> and now today, they couldn't understand what he intended to do, the prophet said. They couldn't understand whether the Lord was angry or pleased. Can you imagine how mystifying that is? Okay. All right. So I looked at Nectar Devotion because it talks a lot. The Prashita Lutra Goswami talks about the qualities of Sri Krishna. And there's 64, and there's especially three qualities that I found pertinent to today's qualities that the Lord's manifesting. All right. So there it is. The first one I found was. Pleasing talker. A person who can speak sweetly, even when his enemy, just to pacify him, is called a pleasing talker. You know how like, you might feel angry at somebody and you approach the person aggressively and you're looking for a righteous, you can take his righteous anger. And then the person just doesn't um, respond to your anger. Uh, was Deborah the other day was glorifying Sandama and, and she said, I've noticed no matter what, it, people could be approaching Sandama with all kinds of emotions but she doesn't react to that. She just takes it in <laughs> and she tries to make some helpful response. So that's, that's a good quality and that's what Krishna's able to do. Krishna was such a pleasing talker that after defeating his enemy, Kaliya, in the water of Jamuna. And how old was Krishna when he defeated Kali? Remember the picture? How old was he? He's a kid. Yeah, he's, he's very young. He's a very young boy. But God is always God. He doesn't become God. He just plays in different ways. So he's just defeated this real toxic Kali that's poisoned the water, apparently killed the coward boys, you know. But Krishna's just cool as a cucumber. He said, my dear king of the snakes, although I have given you so much pain, I've given you so much pain. Because why? What was he doing? Dancing on his head. There's somebody dancing on your head. <laughs> That's going to hurt. Especially if Krishna wants to you know, teach him a lesson. Please do not be dissatisfied with me. I mean, this demon was already doing totally. You think that the moon is polluted today. Kaliya was totally poisoned in the whole river. It is my duty to protect these cows, which are worshipped even by the demigods. Only in order to save them from the danger of your presence have I been obliged to banish you from this place. Where did he banish Kaliya ultimately? Yeah, but where? So they say. Fiji. That's why they have Kaliya Krishna, do That's why Prabhupada 
name to Fiji as being the place of Kali, because there's a legend there, kind of like a Loch Ness monster. But if you go to a certain cave in Fiji, nobody's ever come out of that cave. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So the Prophet said, this is where Kali lives. Yeah. Uh, Kaliya was residing within the water of the Jumuna, and as a result, the back portion of that river had become poisoned. Thus, so many cows who had drunk the water had died. Therefore, Krishna, even though he was only four or five years old, dipped himself into the water, punished Kaliya very severely, and then asked him to leave the place and go elsewhere. Krishna said at that time that the cows are worshipped even by the demigods, and he practically demonstrated how to protect the cows. At least people who are in Krishna consciousness should follow in his footsteps and give all protection to the cows. Cows are worshipped not only by the demigods, Krishna himself worshipped the cows on several occasions, especially on the days of Gopashtami. This is when Krishna graduates from the calves to the cows. He enters Pavanda from Komara up to five with, with the calves, and then he comes a big, big boy, and he's with the cows at age six. <laughs> and to this day, you go to Vrindavan, and you see little kids herding these big, giant buffaloes and cows, because they know the art. They've learned it from their parents. Okay, so that was pleasing talker, and then another kind of relevant. Two more relevant ones. Okay, the next one. Uh, fluent. <coughs> a person who can speak meaningful words and with all politeness and good qualities is called Vavaduka or fluent. There is a nice statement in Srimad Bhagavatam regarding Krishna's speaking politely. When Krishna politely bade his father, Nanda Maharaj, to stop the ritualistic offering of sacrifice to the rain god, Indra, a wife of one village coward man became captivated. So one uh, wife was hearing Krishna explaining to Nanda Maharaj, you have to worry, you have to worship Indra, just worship Govardhan. And, and then the lady remarking. <clears throat> she later described the speaking of Krishna to her friends. Quote, Krishna was speaking to his father so politely and gently that it was as if he were pouring nectar into the ears of all present there. And Krishna's about seven years old here. Uh, after hearing such sweet words from Krishna, who will not be attracted to him? And here's another one. Krishna's speech, which contains all good qualities in the universe, is described in the following statement by Uddhava. Quote, the words of Krishna are so attractive that they can immediately change the heart of even his opponent. His words can immediately solve all of the questions and problems of the world. Think what Bhagavad Gita Prabhupada tells us. You can preach Bhagavad Gita because it can solve all the problems of the world. Just the basics, just the ABCs. Although he does not speak very long, each and every word from his mouth contains volumes of meaning. These speeches of Krishna are very pleasing to my heart. This, that's what we're doing. And there's one more, grave, which is really 
this is what's going on today too with the Kumaras. They're hearing Krishna speak and they don't know. They can't fathom what's, what he's really saying. Great. A person who does not express his mind to everyone or whose mental activity and plan of action are very difficult to understand is called great. So the Kumaras didn't know what he meant, what he was going with this, what's his, what is his intention. After Lord Sri Krishna had been offended by Brahma, what did Brahma do? Stole all the cows, or calves and cow, cows and cowboy boys. Yeah. Uh, had been offended by Brahma, Brahma prayed to him to be excused. Famous prayers of Lord Brahma. But interestingly, Krishna heard all those prayers coming to this. But in spite of his offering nice prayers to Krishna, Brahma could not understand whether Krishna was satisfied or still dissatisfied. Krishna just sort of heard the prayers very impassively, didn't show any emotion. These beautiful prayers. In fact, one of the prayers Prophet said should be the model of our lives. Which one? The Tame Right? Whatever happens is Krishna's mercy, whether it appears to be good or bad. And that attitude of gratitude becomes our, our ticket back to God. If we pass our days in that spirit, not playing the blame game, but just taking everything as Krishna's mercy. Prophet said we, we inherit the kingdom of God just by that attitude. Mukti Padesa Dalabhak, just like a, a, a son, an elder son inherits the property of the father. But Krishna just, you know, while while Brahma's speaking all these eloquent prayers, Krishna just <laughs> and Prabhupada says, but in spite of all his offering nice prayers to Krishna, Brahma could not understand whether Krishna was satisfied or still dissatisfied. In other words, Krishna was so great that he did not take the prayers of Brahma very seriously. This is very, you know, not worth paying attention to. Another instance of Krishna's gravity is found in connection with his loving affairs with Radharani. Krishna was always very silent about his loving affairs with Radharani, so much so that Baladev, Krishna's elder brother and constant companion, could not understand the transformations of Krishna on account of his gravity. So, just as... Where's my notes? Hmm. Just as Krishna is very grave and mystifying and deep, unfathomable, so the Lord's pure devotee, who is purely reflecting... Um, Krishna's qualities, to a minute degree, because Jiva, after all, is similarly difficult to fathom. And there's a famous line. What's the line where it says, but no one can understand the pure devotee. You know the line? Well, here's Kaviraj Goswami. It's actually, Kaviraj Goswami says something in connection about Lord Chaitanya. I can't really understand it, but now Prabhupada in the purport talks about the Purdue. This is Adi Adi Lila, chapter fifteen, the Lord's Pogandalila. This is Lord Chaitanya's Pogandalila. 
Kaviraj Goswami says, in this way, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu performed various pastimes. But why he did so, I cannot understand. I'm just telling you what happened, but I'm just reporting. I can't really give you the, the deep purport. And then Prabhupada takes the opportunity of that to write the Supreme Personality of Godhead and his devotees who come to this world are executing a mission. And therefore, sometimes they act in a way that is very difficult to understand, unless you know the mission of the period. Not and you can't really understand what he's doing. It is said, therefore, Vaishnava Kriya Mudra Vigeha Labhujani. Even if one is very learned and intelligent, he cannot understand the activities of a Vaishnava. And now, Okay, and Prabhupada says, a Vaishnava accepts anything favorable for executing his mission. Now Prabhupada turns, he says, but, and he's indirectly criticizing uh, his critics who don't understand why he's doing what he's doing because it appears to be completely unorthodox and maybe uh, completely sinful. He's talking about some, some of the God brothers who didn't get it. Because uh, the pure devotee knows how to use everything. He's not. He's on the platform of yukta vairagya, practical renunciation, not shushka vairagya, dry renunciation. So Prabhupada says, but foolish persons, not knowing the purpose of such exalted Vaishnavas, indulge in criticizing them. So that's very indirect. In other purports, he's more direct. In fact, he gives examples of somebody who criticized Prabhupada for doing something. Anybody even know what I'm getting at? Women? Yeah, allowing men and women to serve together in the same places. And the God Brothers said, this is, you're transgressing the laws of nature. You're transgressing what Narada Muni said. So you just hear. You just hear, Maharaj, men are like butter in a pot, ladies are like fire. You put the butter pot too close to the fire, the butter's going to melt. And so what did Prabhupada try to explain to them about why he was allowing men and women to serve together in the same centers? Do you know what he said? Well, that's true, my dear God brothers. That is the principle. But Prabhupada's operating in a higher principle. You know, when I came to the West, you know what I found? Boys and girls from the time they're toddlers, they're freely mixing. Then they're going to the same schools. They grow up totally like this. So you can't, you know, change a culture overnight. You have to work with what you have. So Prabhupada initiated men and women. He had them serving together in the same center. And then seven months later, he remarked to Sri Kirti in Manila that because I've done this, I've become successful. And not, not only was it not a no-no, Prabhupada credits this innovative uh, this yukta vairagya, this practical renunciation, to the success of the Haryana movement. There are people who are still stuck, still stuck on lower principles and uh, you know ways that hadn't been done in India for thousands of years. They couldn't get it. And then Sri Prabhupada remarked to Sri Lakiri, despite all their criticism, they have not advanced Mahaprabhu's mission one inch. Yeah. yeah. So we have to be very careful when we see or hear an advanced group. Why is he saying that? Or, or why is he doing that? You know, we've got to think 108 times before we criticize. Now, 
And now, I'm still, let me just finish this. Indulge in criticizing him. That is forbidden, since no one can understand what a Vaishnava does for the purpose of executing his mission. To criticize such a Vaishnava is the offense called Sadhuninda. That's the first offense. All right, now I'm going to finish up with this whole thing reminding me that in 1991, in connection with uh, the, the Lord's pure devotee being similarly unfathomable to the Lord, in 1991, Dravidakabu, I think he called me up. Yeah, there was no email there. And he said, Hey, Sreshwar, can you write the introduction to this year's Vyasapuja book? Because he's been the editor of Vyasapuja book since the 80s. Yeah, can you think of that? So as we speak, he's on his yearly marathon to make sure the book comes out on time. So I said, gee, I don't know what to say. He said, you can do it. You can do it. I have full faith in this. <laughs> so what did I do? Well, I'm going to read you. That it's not long, but here's the introduction. Uh, and it's all about how Prabhupada is. So far or complete? Huh? This is the introduction so far or introduction complete? This is the introduction I wrote in the 1991 Vyasa Pujapa. Yeah. Yeah, this isn't this year. No, 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 no. And it's not long, so I think it's fun. And, I, it's, and so what I, I remember thinking, what am I going to write? And so then I thought, well, what do I do when I get the new Vyasa Pujapa? I look at the pictures. And that's how I started. I open the new Vyasa Pujapa and do what we all do first. Look at the pictures. Sure, problem. So this is, I'm describing everything I've seen. Prabhupada is praying, palms pressed. A golden watch ticks the time. A soft light bathes his head. No, the light is coming from his head. His eyes are closed, brows turned upward. He is utterly surrendered to Krishna. Prabhupada is sitting, cross-legged, on a white sheet, Playing Murdanga. Gopichanda anoints his forehead. His eyes are slit in concentration. Microphones crane nearby. He wears big, bright headphones, conjuring up a moon man. His vibrations pierce the universe, and Krishna listens. Magnificent Prabhupada is dancing atop a Rathiyatrakant, rose garland flowing, arms upraised, inciting the crowd to chant. He is just about to leap, and so are the trees, the clouds too. My thumb relaxes, and pages flip by. Prabhupada on Juhu Beach, Prabhupada in Red Square, Prabhupada like thunder, Prabhupada like a baby, Prabhupada in a hut, Prabhupada ten stories up, Prabhupada fingering beads, initiating disciples, throwing flowers, giving a sweet, giving sauce, his shiny rings, gold tooth, tila, surabi lips. What about his words? And then I, as I was writing all this, I thought, well, wait a minute, are you not telling me anything about Rani Prabhupada? You know, this is all kind of fun, but where is it going? What about his words? 
Some look on Srila Prabhupada as amazing, some describe him as amazing, and some hear of him as amazing, while others, even after hearing about him, cannot understand him at all. What's that a parody of? 229, what is Krishna saying? Some look on the soul as amazing. Some describe him as amazing. Some hear, and while others, even after hearing about him, cannot understand him at all. So there's the fathom, fathomless aspect of the spirituality. Here is a picture. 19 September, 1972. Srila Prabhupada is in Dallas to install Sri Sri Radha Kalachanji. I sit third base from his divine grace, who is at home on the Vyasasana, chanting verses from the Brahma Samhita. Suddenly Prabhupada needs something. His face turns around the room for help. I know he needs something, but all I can do is sit and grin. Then his glance falls upon me. It is the kindest glance in the world. It says, you are an idiot. Jai! I grin. I'm an idiot. Srila Prabhupada loves me, and I am an idiot. Jai, Srila Prabhupada. That's exactly what happened. And then I end with, I need to read this book. As much as I like the pictures, I can see Srila Prabhupada only as far as I follow them. And Lord knows, the devotees who wrote these offerings have followed him much further than I. If I lose myself in their words, I will find myself at his mother's feet and love his pictures more too. I'm excited. Let's read. Suresh Rodas, Gidanamri Village. I'm so glad I found it. Okay, so yeah, Fathomless Krishna. And uh, it's getting more and more exciting because the Kumaras don't know what's going on. Where is it all going to end up? They don't know if they please Chris, they don't know if he's angry. They don't know what's next. Okay. So, any questions or comments? Can you read the verse? Yeah, the verse is number two. Brahma continued, even though the sages had been bitten by the serpent of anger, their souls were not satiated with hearing the Lord's lovely and illuminating speech, which was like a series of Vedic hymns, like a snake jar. The, the, the words just totally turned their anger, their fury, into you know, totally, and they couldn't get enough of those words, although they didn't, couldn't like, quite get it, <laughs> to say, but it was so sweet. Uh, text 14. The Lord's excellent speech was difficult to comprehend because of its momentous import and its most profound significance. The sages heard it with wide-open ears and pondered it as well. But although hearing, they could not understand what he intended to do. And Prophet says in the purple, they couldn't understand uh, if the Lord was even pleased with them or not, or angry at so, yes, sir. You were so fortunate to have the Yas Puja books. How, how many years do we, I mean, when did they start the Yas Puja? They started in 1969 with, uh, when the movement had you know, just a few temples, and everybody wrote. 
an offering in that book. And Jayadwada Swami, because he remembered that, he was Jayadwada Brahmachari back then. He was in Boston then, That's why in 2010, he started the Tributes book. Because he remembered how sweet it was for everybody to write an offering. And there was room in those days, because there was, there was only a few devotees. There was maybe a, no less than 100 devotees. Um, and then in 1970 was the first, um, I have to go back and yeah, it's right in here, to see if it was just the, the temples they brought. Because by because all of a sudden, you know, when 70 came, everything was exploding. As, as soon as those devotees went to London, those three couples, that was really the beginning of the international society. I mean, technically, okay, Prophet stepped over the border to Montreal because he's having visa problems. But when, when the, those devotees opened up London with the Beatles, that, that, was, that was when it really went worldwide. I, I think I, I have to look back and see um, if it was just, you know, one person in the temple writing it because everything was just exploding and then Papa was really traveling at breakneck pace. Uh, and ever since then, and since the 80s, Dravida has been, you know, single-handedly. I have the Asuj book where the temples would write, but then all the devotees would sign. Oh, yeah. So there'd be like 10, 12. Yes, I know this. Yeah, okay. So that was, uh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, because it still was the mood was we want to all get in on this. We want to all be part of it, you know. So somebody was chosen to write it. But yeah. And even today, when Dravida sends around the guidelines, he says, uh, okay, don't make it, this is not a place to push your agenda. It's here, you're here to glorify Prabhupada. And try to write it in such a way that it's really representative. Of, of the temple. Don't make it like you're just you're in your ivory tower and you're, it's got nothing to do with what's going on in, in Tucson or San Diego or, or whatever. So we, we think that's part of the guidelines. Um, okay. So how did I title this? Fathomless, our fathomless Lord. Yeah, and the fathomless beard of Lord, too. I guess we're done. Oh. When Yoga uh, Maharaj was um, meditating in a Krishna period form, he was speechless. He couldn't even say anything. So, not only you know, could, he can't quite understand, but in his case, he couldn't even speak unless Krishna gave him that. So, he put the conch on his head and yeah. he was able to offer prayer. Before that, he was also stunned. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, we can't even glorify that's and that's literally true, but that's also a good taken in a you know writ large. We can't say anything or glorify or understand anything unless the, the Lord is pleased with us. He was pleased with Druva. So he touched with his fat bold was it fat bold conch and then and then the eloquent speeches by Druva. Yeah, so as much as as we're following, then we can uh, be empowered to say something. Otherwise, the Lord. <laughs> yeah.
So the same Brahma who's narrating here, glorifying the Lord. <laughs> he gets his comeuppance, you know, sometimes. He, he, by, in, in Leela, he offended Krishna and steal the Lord's. And then he was empowered to speak these prayers, but then he didn't know what the Lord was pleased either. The Lord just impassively heard them. Because <laughs> he's so great, so deep. Okay, I guess we're done. Shiva Gopaki. So tomorrow is 15, and there is a for time. No, 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 no,